Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Shaver, Brian Christopherson here on a Tuesday afternoon, several days removed from the Nebraska-Michigan game. The Huskers gave it great effort, but once again came up a little bit short, so we'll be diving into that. We'll get into a little bit of recruiting here on today's podcast, and I'm sure that BC and I can come up with other ways to entertain and uh, you know keep you guys occupied as you listen to our soothing, sultry voices here with the Husker 24-7 podcast. So with that being said, BC, welcome in. Yeah, Ronnie, my dog, just lapped a boatload of water prior to the pod, so I think he's good. So there won't be those sounds, at least. Yeah, Slider is, uh, he's laying here in the middle of the floor. Um, normally, he's, he's tucked into a corner. I don't know if your dog is this way or not. But like when he when he sleeps, he tries to like burrow into whatever is is sort of closest to him. And normally it's like a corner of the room or he'll find like a, a lamp and he'll go lay as close to the lamp as possible. I don't know how Ronnie is, but that's slider. I feel like dogs like to be in really confined spaces all the time. Like uh, Ronnie's about 45 to 50 pounds now. And he prefers to be in a dog bed that's made for like a Yorkshire Terrier. You know, um, and it's ridiculous looking, but, uh, that's, that's what they want, I guess. I don't know. They're, they're such weird little furry men. Yeah. Well, and we never know what they actually want or what they're thinking, but, uh, they own us. They run our lives. That's how it is. All right. Uh, let's dive into this game. So a lot, a lot happened on Saturday, but I'm going to start with just a very simple, question i think it's simple we'll see whether you think it's simple or not were you more surprised looking back on it that nebraska and just one half of football put up 29 points four touchdowns against michigan and that defense which we had heard so much about or were you more surprised that when given the lead twice in the fourth quarter nebraska wasn't able to get off the field you definitely have become a radio guy. That is such a radio guys always give you those two. Like you got to pick one. It's got to be one or the other. Um, Thank you. I, I do occasionally dabble in radio. I know it showed on that question. Um, I guess, well, I would say that they scored 29 points. Um, that's my answer. Final answer. Uh, I do. Because, I mean, because the first half, the evidence in the first half was like, this is not going anywhere, is it? Like, they're stuck in quicksand. I thought they'd score some points, but I didn't think they would have, like, four commanding drives in a row where they completely had Michigan's wheels spinning. I mean, that's been a good defense all year. I know they haven't played a lot of people, but Nebraska had them – they had them off their feet. And I know one of them was after a defensive turnover that set them up nicely – but there were some long drives there and um, you know, they were, I think they started to, you know, they kind of beat their head against the wall, running it in that first half uh, to, to no avail and decide to open it up a little bit. And uh, you know, they were rewarded for it. Adrian was playing really well until the fumble. Of course uh, that pass to Ramir was a beauty. Uh, one of his best passes of his career, really. Uh, when he's taking the hit, but your question is uh, fair in this sense that my biggest disappointment, and then I'll go to you, was that the defense did give up the lead twice because they're sort of the unit you trust the most on this team. 
And when Nebraska went up 29, 26, I, you know, how Scott Frost said after the game, I, th- I thought guys believe they're going to win. That was a case where as an observer, I thought Nebraska was going to do it. Like the defense is going to meet this moment now and they're going to make that play. And instead they gave up that 50 yard run where they got hurdled and, you know, kind of set up the unfortunate finish. Yeah. I, um, I, I agree with you. I, I would definitely say I was more surprised by the offense and, and not that they could move the ball on Michigan, but that they were able to, to kind of flip what had been such a dud of a second quarter. I mean, I, I think the first quarter they showed that they could move the ball. They showed that they could do uh, some different things that they could move Michigan side to side that Adrian had the ability to, to make a few plays. And then of course, you know, Scott Frost showed that he was going to be pretty aggressive in this game, which I think matters. And, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but they didn't do anything in the second quarter. And I know that I'm not alone and, and talked to a couple different media people at the, at the game on Saturday at halftime. And the general feeling is basically like, if they don't come out and score, it just feels like this one's already over for Nebraska at 13, nothing. And they came out and they scored and they put together a great drive. It featured Austin Allen catching his second touchdown catch of his career, sending one Michael Brunts into hysteria because his oddly specific prediction of 19 straight weeks had come through for the second time in that span. So, um, you know, and they, they just continued to, to play pretty good offense. And they, I feel like coming off of that Northwestern game and really coming since the Oklahoma game, they're a much better offensive team than I thought they were. Like they, they, they have a lot more potential there. It feels with Ramir Johnson that they have a little bit more of a better usage with him. Maybe not so much just as a straight running up the middle running back, but the compliment that he gives you as a, as a receiving back out of the backfield, the different ways that they can play action people right now, how they get their receivers involved in ways that aren't just straight passing plays, the various screen plays that they can run at any given time. And so I just, their offense has looked pretty good um, for the most part. And so that second quarter was such a downer and then they responded with those four touchdowns. And so I, I was really surprised by that. And I, I, like you, I thought, okay, this is what it was supposed to be. This is, we talked about it. If you're in Nebraska, you don't want to have to be the team that chases in the fourth quarter. You want to be the team that has the lead and your defense is on the field and you trust these guys and they're going to get out of it. And they gave up that one giant run and, and, you know, to their credit, they kept it from being a touchdown, um, but it allowed the game to be tied again. And then the it flips back to here, you need the offense to make a play. And we just know that late in games, it hasn't gone that well for them when, when the offense is the one that, that has to do it. I would have been more impressed with uh, Brunce's specific prediction about Austin Allen if he had said that Austin Allen would score a touchdown on a play where Nebraska was lined up illegally. Uh, a legal formation, but yeah, the, the margin is, it was interesting as you're talking about the drive to start the second half. And this goes to how like close it is between like winning, losing disaster. It's all like tucked inside. Like it's like in a Yorkshire Terrier's bed. It's all tucked inside that little are bed. You, are you about to give us the Al Pacino game of inches speech? Because <laughs> it's right in, if it's right in front of your face. That's six no, I inches. can't do it for you. I'm too old. <laughs> As you I said, do his eyes. And I think <laughs> you're going to see a guy that's going to go that inch for you. You're going to see a guy that's going to fight that inch. Sorry. All 
right, Brian. Oh, that was good. That was good. I was like, as you were saying that, I was like Jamie Foxx creeping up in the locker room closer to him. That's my favorite scene in that. Um, but back to <laughs> back to the first drive of the second half. There was a third and ten right away, where if they don't get it, it's uh, it's trouble city. And Adrian scrambles for twenty, and then they score on the next play. That's just, I mean, it's just interesting that these games, which we put under the microscope, like you, the difference between winning and losing is close. Sometimes the difference between being there at the end and maybe getting blown out by two or three touchdowns is a play like that, you know, like, so it's stuff like that. That's always kind of fascinating to me, but the defense's um, allowance of the 50 yard run. And I know it's Michigan. They got athletes. They're on scholarship. They're a top 10 team. They're going to make plays. But what was disappointing was throughout the game, they had made Cade McNamara have to sort of win it with his arm and to Cade McNamara's credit, aside from that interception to Deontay Williams, I thought, I thought he was pretty hardy. Like I thought he's kind of stepped up to the moment and um, played maybe better than I thought he would. But that was the moment when I wanted to see Nebraska's run defense rise up and okay, Cade McNamara, can you make a throw on this drive with six minutes left and your team down, you know, three points. And he never had to make that throw as you think about it to the finish line. Like after they got the big run, then they got the field goal, then they got it set up for another field goal. And that was the, that was unfortunate. Yeah. And, and even in those instances where you got that third and long on the fourth quarter, it was once again, just oh, a tight end yeah. slipping out on, on a well-designed play. I mean, you got to give Josh Gaddis a lot of credit uh, and, and Chris Kolarovich, it wasn't like he didn't have responsibility for that guy, but they had max protect so much that you just kind of get sucked into thinking they're going to do it again. I mean, it just, it was a well-designed thing and, and they took advantage of that. I, I do feel like Michigan was better than I thought they were. I mean, and so in, in some ways for Nebraska to play them as close as they did, it should make me feel better about Nebraska. And I, I do feel better about this team than I did after their loss against Oklahoma, if that makes any sense at all. I know they've only won one game in that stretch, but I, I do think that they're a consistent bunch. I do think that they have certain things that they do well and they're getting better. I, I know that sounds weird because again, they, they keep losing these games, but I really do feel like they're getting better and there's a chance that some of their best football is still ahead of them, which is really good because the schedule still dictates that they have to go and win three games to get another game. Uh, and if they can win more than three games, they can have a better season than just the baseline. So um, that will be, that will be fun to watch. All right. So there's, there's a few things inside this game specifically that I want to ask you about, but I know that you, you had a little bit of a thread going on, Sunday I think you had rewatched the game at that point what do you what did you get out of your rewatch that maybe you missed live on Saturday or do you have any kind of like quick takeaways I, I know you you jotted some down on Twitter I was wondering if you had any that you kind of remember off the top of your head um I'm trying to think of what what really jumped out I I mean I I do think the O-line in the second half you have to give some credit. I know that wasn't perfect and, and Ben Hart wasn't perfect, but I do give some credit to having Turner Corcoran has to flip sides in the middle of that game against, you know, a guy like Aiden Hutchinson and a, a defense that's really good. And I don't think people sometimes know how difficult that is, what he 
is doing in that game when you're all set to play right tackle. I mean, obviously he has a left tackle experience, but I thought it was impressive that for the most part, they kept Adrian fairly clean and they had a plan for it. I mean, they, they had a plan to, where they could, a, Adrian, they sort of knew where they wanted to direct Michigan's, you know, D linemen and their blitzes and where Adrian could step up into on those plays. So th- they had a smart attack there. I thought in watching it back more so than even live that Frost and Lubick, um, really the last two weeks, I feel like they've been the most in sync. I guess you'd say half of the game Saturday and the Northwestern game in full. They've been the most together, like with their play calling, whereas like, man, this is sort of what everybody envisioned with Frost, you know, like where they kind of have um, – Michigan, like not knowing what's coming next, where you have these variances off of your option that you've shown these things on film and now you take it and you like, nope, we're going to do a sleight of hand here on you. Like they did on the Levi Falk touchdown. That stuff was really clever. I mean, that was a clever play. And they, they did some camera shots of Harbaugh and Mike McDonald, the young Michigan D coordinator, who's sort of been the flavor of the fall up there. And uh, they were, you could tell they had those expressions, those dazed expressions, like, uh, we're, we're a little uh, baffled here, you know, like with what Nebraska is doing. So I think you got to give a lot of credit there with the play calling. And I do think you also have to acknowledge that even though the first half, they didn't score any points. I do think some of that stuff set up some success in the second half. Um, so you got to remember it's a 60 minute game. Uh, other than that, I don't know what, is there something as you stepped away from it, like a few days later that sort of sat with you or came in your mind that wasn't there when we left the stadium? Um, not really. I don't, I don't always go back and rewatch and I haven't rewatched Saturday's game. And so there, there wouldn't be anything in that regard. I know that by the end of that night, I, I tweeted it out, but I have a lot of respect for their two running backs. I mean, Haskins and Corum were the MVPs of that game. I mean, they ran so damn hard. Like, and I don't know how you felt on the rewatch, but it just felt like Blake Corum got like five extra yards almost every time he had the ball. Like he just, Nebraska would, would hit him and he would get knocked off balance, but he would be able to keep scrambling and moving forward. And I think it was him on that fourth down carry in the second quarter where, you know, as he's being tackled himself, Damian Daniels has him just knocked off balance and he's able to just sort of like hop step and jump through the line to pick up that first down. And I just, I, I think those guys are really good. And to me, the difference, and I, I think Ramir Johnson's a really good running back for Nebraska. The differences in short yardage situations, it felt like they have kind of a power component and they're scrappy and they're going to get through it. Whereas it just kind of feels like with Nebraska, like their running backs as, as the guys that they, they sort of just have with Ramir Johnson right now, when he gets hit at the line of scrimmage, it's going to be really hard for him to get more than a yard in that time you know he's just not he's not as powerfully built he's not as likely to kind of work his way through contact there um and and it just feels like nebraska is missing a little bit of a short yardage guy and i know that that can be adrian at times but as we saw at the end of the game on saturday you know on third and one everyone knew adrian was going to keep the ball and unfortunately whether it was forward progress or not there's your fumble and on second and short if you if Ramirez able to just get through it, you're back on schedule at, at first and 10, but instead you get stopped short and then you have to get that first down. So it just, it feels like Nebraska has to get better in second and short, third and short 
And I don't know how exactly or where exactly that's going to come from. This manifested itself right at the beginning of the game. And that's kind of where I'm going to transition this. That first drive, I still hear from people that are really disappointed. Nebraska just didn't kick a field goal there. And then, of course, you know, they lose by three and they didn't get any points in that drive. And so um, what were your thoughts when Scott Frost elected ultimately to go for it right at the beginning of the game? And, and what are your thoughts now afterwards? When he did it, I don't know if you're ever like this in a game where you're just sort of wishy-washy on it. You're like, yeah, okay. But you're, I mean, you, if he had kicked the three, I would have been fine with it. And when he went for it, I was like, yeah, he said in an aggressive tone, he already went for a fourth and six earlier and converted it. He wants to finish what they started. Um, I know players like it. I mean, I know Adrian and those guys were like, let's go. They really had a lot of faith in their goal line stuff at like the one or two yard line. Like they've really believed in that. And up until that point, they'd had huge success with it. That's one area where they've been really good. As you think about the stuff where they brought like Chancellor Brewington into the game and he's cleaned people up and, you know, Adrian's walked in for touchdowns. What you saw, though, was the difference between Northwestern and Michigan. I mean, Michigan just had east-west speed where they, they forced that to the boundary, and those guys just covered ground so quick that if the play is a little longer developing with a team like that in that compact of space, um, it's hard to make work sometimes. And so, I don't know, maybe I could have gone with a slightly different play call. That's easy to say after the fact. I didn't mind him going for it. You never know how the score is going to end up or how the game would have changed had they kicked the three points and, you know, the whole butterfly effect that goes with it. So I'm not going to dwell on that as much, um, but it was certainly a disappointing moment. If you think about if Nebraska punches that in there, um, you know, they, I think they – that would have been really interesting to see how Michigan would have dealt with playing from behind throughout the game, as opposed to the contrary. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think I've just kind of realized, cause you mentioned like you get sort of not that you specifically, but there's times where you, you would get a little wishy-washy of like, well, you can do this, you can do that. I think I've just realized that I'm sort of like, you know how there's the run the ball guy and there's all these different like facets. I feel like I'm pretty much in the uh, fourth and short, always go for it. I can't think of a time, whether it's, you know, with Minnesota, uh, with the Vikings, our terrible Vikings, or with, you know, when covering Nebraska, where I'm not just assuming that someone should always go for it. If you're at midfield or on the other, like, I just, I don't know. I And part of it is, it might just be conditioning of, of watching such bad field goal kicking over the last few years that I don't feel that safe lining up and kicking anymore either. So I, I'd rather and especially in a game like Saturday night, I just, you, you score that touchdown in that moment and the way the defense played right away at the beginning of that game, like who the hell knows how that thing plays out, but they gave it their best shot and came up a little bit short. And ultimately you wish that you would have gotten points on that drive because it could have changed the tenor of how a lot of things look. You also got to think about, this is like 10 minutes after probably a locker room speech where like, let's tear down that wall. They're giving it like, there's an Al Pacino speech or something, you know, like, let's go, we're going to go attack. We're going to take this game, you know, think about that. This is the first drive. And so um, I very much think like maybe it's a weird vibe to your team. If after you, you just take the field, you've, you've pounded it down to the two or three, you're like, yeah, let's kick it. You know, you do the little kicking motion as the head coach. I'd love, that's my favorite motion coaches do is when they put the right leg up and 
we're going to kick it. They always do it with like this grimace on their face. Like, yeah, we got to kick it. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I'll guarantee people on that sideline were like, of course we're going for it, you know? So you got, you have to, it also tells your defense, like, Hey, if we don't get it, we believe you're going to shut them down. You're going to make a play down here. And so you're, you're kind of bringing your whole team into the decision a little bit. You know, Michigan was able to get out to the 20, but they largely held serve with, with keeping field position in Nebraska's favor. It's just what happened on that following drive is Nebraska wasn't able to convert on a, on a second and short and a third and short, and then they had to punt again. And then suddenly, you know, Nebraska's momentum just sort of wiped out at that point in time. And so um, there's just a lot of different ways to look at it. But I, I continue to, to like the idea of being aggressive in that situation. Uh, all right. I we'll, we'll close up with this. We, we talked about the game quite a bit here. We've talked about Nebraska and their offense, and we've talked about this in the past. I know, Brian. Do you have anything that you is there is there any specific reason why you feel like Nebraska struggles in those situations where they have the ball to just go and score? I mean, they've done it twice now in the last three weeks. Michigan State, Michigan game gets tied. They just don't have the same, like the offense isn't the same or, you know, the why Adrian hasn't really been able to put together since Iowa 2018, a drive to either go tie the game or a drive to go give someone the lead. I mean, they're one in 15 in these one in 14 in these 15 situations. Yeah, it's, it's hard to almost put to words because Adrian had looked so good that whole second half. Um, but I, I guarantee you the other side is they, they know the history on Nebraska too. And Michigan dared Adrian to make the throw. Like they, they had a zero coverage blitz on fourth down. They sent, as Verdusco said today, it felt like their coaches were part of the blitz. You know, it was like everybody on their side, like we're coming after them. We're going to make you hit a one-on-one. We're trusting our corner in space. And I know some people didn't like the fourth down play and how that came together. It was interesting to, on Tuesday, Matt Lubick um, said, that's the thrower play we like there um, with Oliver Martin on that, you know, like that he, he would take that, what they had. Um, It just, it was well covered and they didn't get any sort of rub on it. And uh, it, it, it completely did not work, but, it is, it is hard to believe. One time long ago, I was at a Maristar Casino. <laughs> yes, I love this. And I, I have a friend who can back this story up. We were watching a roulette ball bounce on a table, and it hit red like 26 or 27 times in a row. It was incredible. And we're just there's like a crowd gathering around it. And we're like, no, you know, the law of averages are like, eventually it's going to hit black. Like after four or five times, I think of that. Like when I think of Husker football, it's like this, eventually this is going to switch to the other color. Right. You know, like this is amazing. Like how they keep finding ways to not win these games, to not finish them. Um, Not because of lack of effort or anything, but just something strange. And it's something a little different every time. And the play that I think will haunt Nebraska from this game, or I know it's still bothering some fans, is a second down play to Falk where he overshot him. If he hits Falk there, 
that's probably there was a Michigan guy. It wasn't like he was going to go to the end zone, but he, he would have got like 12 or 15 yards. You're almost already in field goal range. But beyond that, then you really feel like we've got this drive going because you've, you've backed up the Ture pass on the first play with another first down. And now you are kind of going downhill and Nebraska at that point wouldn't have been thinking about tying it. They would have been thinking about winning that thing outright right then and there. And that was the play that, man, you wish they had back. Cause I, I think you would have liked their chances at that point. And it, it just didn't happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to categorize it right now. They're three and four. And yet I feel like in the last five games, it's been the best five games of the frost era by quite a bit. And it's disappointing because I, I know everybody's tired of their coming close thing. And at some point that has to go away. I would say there's, they're in a different box right now with the coming close games of late compared to the coming close games of past years, where those were games against like a crappy Purdue team or a or a middling Colorado team that you lost. At least these are games where they're going toe to toe with like top 10 undefeated teams and so I do think you, you can have, there's some nuance to this where there's a, there is some difference of what's happening right now, but your record's your record. And it's, it's tough to swallow because this is not a three and four team in many ways. You said it better. All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We'll dive into a little bit of recruiting uh, and then maybe a little bit of Minnesota as well as we get you prepared for Nebraska's trip back up to Minneapolis. This is the Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll be back here in a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so I mentioned we were going to talk a little about recruiting, and it's actually both sports. Nebraska basketball has – well, there's more than one sport, but and Nebraska baseball has been hot on the recruiting trail as well. Nebraska basketball had a number of intriguing visitors in over the last couple of weekends. Football has had over 115 people on campus uh, the last two – well, 110 people on campus the last two weekends for these night games. It's the most, Brian, that I can remember – and they haven't gotten a commitment out of it, but I, I think it's important for people to realize that almost all of these visitors are guys that are like 2023, 2024, 2025. So they're, they're, they're further down the line. And the product that they got to watch is a Nebraska team that, you know, you just, you talked about how you feel like it's a different version of close. And I agree with that. This is a group that, you know, 
you've had some defensive players in the last two weeks that have looked at that defensive room and thought like, yeah, I can play in this. I like the energy that these guys are playing with. I like what they're doing on that defensive line. I like, you know, one guy this past weekend told me he was really impressed by what Caleb Tanner was doing in, in games and he envisions that's the kind of role that he would have. And that's not necessarily a guy that I think comes top of mind for you or I, or, or for others, but for some of these recruits, when they see it and they can watch these guys up close, it's easier for them to visualize themselves in specific roles. And, and for him, it was Caleb Tanner. And so I, I've been really impressed by what I've heard. Obviously the atmosphere the last two weeks have been really good. And of course you had a chance for a top 10 upset and that stadium was rocking. I mean, we, we talked about Memorial stadium crowds in the past and I thought Saturday nights was really good. I guess before we dive fully into the atmosphere, what do you think of the, the or not the atmosphere before we dive fully into recruiting, what did you kind of feel about Memorial stadium these last two weekends, these night games kind of reinvigorated what I've always kind of feel to be a, a little bit of a sleep fest with all those 11 AM kicks that we've seen over the last five years. Yeah, um, it's a it's a different uh, venue when people have had time to drink uh, Pepsi and Coke all day. Um, there's no question about it, and I assume that's all people drink throughout the Saturday. So that's uh, great. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, but I mean, it was it was as I expected. Um, I the, they they've done some cool things with the light show and all that stuff that has added a, another element, but. But really, I mean, what it shows me more than anything is people always talk about the, the worry of apathy. And I understand that because I've thought about that, too. But it is so like Husker football is like so part of the fabric of like if you live here and you grow up here that it's not here yet. Like people still are like, let's turn the corner. Come on. And so they're, th these games the last couple of weeks have been like, here's a chance to turn the corner and they want to be a part of that. They want to like, they want to be there and they want to influence that turn. And uh, I think they did in many ways try to on Saturday night, but it, there's no way a recruit as we work into that couldn't have looked at that environment and say, I'll tell you what, for a team that hasn't been to a bowl game in five years, they, they sure do, do take this stuff pretty seriously. Yeah, and I do think that one of the hidden parts of the appeal of a place like Nebraska for some of these guys is that if you're going to go play college football, you want to do it in an environment where you're excited to play there every weekend. It's one thing, you know, you get to play in a game, you're excited about that, but it's just not that way everywhere you go. And, and it's not always that way in Lincoln. And so for a couple nights here in the month of October – Memorial Stadium was kind of able to show off a little bit like this is different. This is unique. You know, you're not going to there's maybe a handful of venues around the country that are going to have this sort of atmosphere for this kind of game. This is what your college experience could be like. And I do think that that is a really heady pitch when you get an opportunity to experience that head on. So I, I'll start here with football and then we'll move into basketball. And then I kind of want to get your thoughts on a couple of Minnesota things before we get out of here. With football, so the, a lot of 2023s, we we talked a little bit last week about um, uh, Tassili Akana, the, the linebackers down in, in Utah, and then, of course, Dylan Rayola. And those guys are hugely important to Nebraska's recruiting efforts, and they have such strong connections to the state and to the program that if Nebraska just continues to show progress 
if they're able to get to a bowl game, if Scott Frost is still coaching here in 22 and 23, the chances for both of those guys go way up and, and they're such huge, important pieces. And you know, that was, that was kind of the, the conversation after the Northwestern one, after the Michigan visit, they had a lot of guys here that came from different places. Braden Marshall is a defensive back that flew out from Florida. And the reason that he came wasn't because he heard the atmosphere was awesome or that Nebraska is winning a bunch of games or that he could get an up close view of Michigan. It was because the staff has really kind of worked their ass off, just sort of selling Nebraska. I mean, that's what he said. He's like, I wouldn't be here except for the fact that I hear from them all the time and they make me feel like I can play there and they make me want to visit Nebraska. And that's why we're here. That's why my mom and I came out. And it was the same for Kennedy McDowell, an outside linebacker from Texas. And he was basically in the same, in the same boat. He's like, yeah, I mean, I, I have offers from these other teams, but Nebraska is one of those teams I hear from all the time. And, you know, I, I hear from Eric Shenander. If it's not Eric Shenander, I'm hearing from Ryan Held, who recruits my area in Texas. If it's not Ryan Held or Eric Shenander, Sean Dillon and the recruiting staff are hitting me up just every day, making sure that if I have questions, if, if I need to know anything, just seeing how my day is going. And, and I think that it's commonplace right now because the recruiting for 2022 is so slow and this feeling that Nebraska's staff could be could be gone at any moment that people seem to think that they weren't working that hard in terms of recruiting. And that's just not true. I mean, they're putting in as much, if not more effort than ever before. They're continuing to work ahead. I know that 2022 looks weird and that their numbers aren't going to be great by the end of it, but they're still working really hard to try to build this thing and, and to build out this roster. They got a lot of freshmen. So that's why they, they can be a little bit choosier in the 2022 class and in the 2023 class but they also want to get playmakers. They want to bring guys in and they've done a nice job bringing players in from, I, I think if I went back over the last two uh, weeks, I think they've had players come in from 13 different States, but that doesn't happen by accident. That's putting some really good work out there and inviting these guys and, and selling them on the idea that, yeah, we know that the product isn't, it isn't what we want it to be, but we're getting better and we want you to see this. And so I, I think they've done a really nice job um, with, with kind of the, the recruiting and with who they've been going after and, and getting guys out here to, to check out Lincoln. So I, I can, I can get into some more specific names here in a little bit, but I'm going to throw it over to Brian. I know you've talked with some of these bigger basketball guys, whether it was Omaha, is Omaha blue or Belu? How do you pronounce that last name? It's a good question. I, I say, I probably change it every time that way you, you can be right 50% of the time. Baloo. Okay. Belu. Bailu. <laughs> However you want to go with it. He visited the Northwestern game. They had a few guys out for, uh, they had an entire bus as I am to understand it. Not Will Compton's bus, but an actual bus that plays basketball visited this past weekend. So I'm going to just give you the floor and tell us what's been going on with Nebraska basketball recruiting. Yeah, I mean, this last, first off with Omaha, um, I, I think, I truly think they got a real shot at him. I, I, I don't think this is just, I mean, he, he came here a couple months ago and he loves like the pro style atmosphere that Hoiberg has. He loves the facilities. And I think what you're seeing more than anything is the last class when you're able to get a Bryce McGowan's and 
you know, even a Wilhelm Breidenbach, these guys play together on these traveling circuits. They, they know of each other. They know who, who can play, you know, the old game recognizes game line. I mean, they, they understand that. And so when recruits are looking at, man, that guy went there, he's on their roster. Something's happening with that. That's going to make them look closer at it. And the thing about Omaha is he's a, he's a guy who grew up, you know, in Iowa. He was, he is going to link year prep, which is in Branson, which I don't think is terrible for Nebraska's situation that he's still sort of in the Midwest. And every time you talk to him, um, he's just really big on Hoiberg. And I think he likes how Hoiberg's offense, um, it's really an offense that you can be a guy who's 6'10", whatever. You're not you're not typecast. You're a guy who can, if you have the versatility, you can be a one through five player. And that's how he sees himself. And he thinks he can fit in what Nebraska is doing with that. So that's good this week. uh, I mean, they had another good visitors list. Uh, Gus yelled on the Gus bus. Um, He came in for his official visit. He's going to go to Wisconsin in a few weeks. He grew up a Badger fan. He's been up front about that but he wants to play in the offense that, you know, can get him to the next level. And that's what a lot of people see in, in Hoiberg system is, you know, an offense that uh, is going to create space, get you a lot of shots and is the type of offense that draws recruits that had 15 NBA scouts at a practice in Lincoln last week that actually happened here. So that's, that's the sort of stuff that's different that's going on right now in Lincoln that hasn't been there in the past. Gus, Gus Buss is also friends with uh, Parker Friedrichsen, who's a, who's a sharp shooter. Uh, they grew up together. Their, their, their moms are best friends. They vacation together. Um, so, you know, it doesn't hurt that maybe you have uh, some guys who would connect uh, on that way. And as you recruit, maybe not one, but two guys together. So um, it was, it, it's been a good run for Nebraska recruiting. And I think it's, it's like sort of like how winning begets winning. I think getting a four or five star guy sort of feeds getting more four or five star guys. And uh, that's, that's the hope at least. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot too much here. I don't know much about him, and it, it happened. I want to say late last week. What do we know if anything about Denim Dawson, Nebraska's most recent basketball commit? Yeah. Denim Dawson visited, um, the week prior, prior, uh, six, five, six, five guy. Um, he's a good, I mean, he's a guy who can, who can shoot it. And when he's went to the camps, I know the people we have that have covered him have been really impressed by him. I do not know a ton about his game, so I'm not going to pretend like I do. Um, but you know, I, I think guys, see the practices they're getting up close, look at what Hoiberg's doing and they're saying, that fits me. Like it, he, the, when you watch Nebraska's practices, they let the media come in like a week or two ago and they're just so fast paced. And, you know, the, the way they, you know, like we were watching a drill where, you know, one, one side gets the ball at half court and they have eight on the shot clock, eight seconds to create. Then it goes to the other end, eight seconds to create, you know, it's just, and it's just quick, quick, quick all the way along. There's very little pausing and, you know, you're seeing guys get, get their looks and guys who are uh, big men are getting looks from the outside guys who are shooting guards. It doesn't matter what your label is. You don't necessarily have a label, 
um, in, in that system. And so uh, I think that's just attractive no matter where you come from or where you played. And if you think you have game, you're thinking I can, I can really uh, take off in that type of system. So um, it doesn't surprise me guys want to raise their hand and get in, um, especially when you think about, you know, some of the big fish Nebraska is still after. Yeah, this is what Jerry Meyer, our director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports, recently wrote about Denim Dawson. The evaluation was on 10-10-2021, so very recent. Wrote a, this is what Meyer wrote, six foot five small forward with an explosive athlete, with explosive athleticism. Game is a little mechanical, but has instincts and plays with energy. Shoots well from deep while still being a developing shooter who's raising his release. Runs the floor extremely well. Dangerous in transition, can attack the basket on a couple dribbles, but not considered a strong overall ball handler. Can go left as a righty and also finishes and passes well with his left hand. Has great potential as a wing rebounder. Corrals the ball with strength as a promising, versatile defender. You you kind of hit on it. 24-7 sports, he's not ranked. I thought he was a three-star at one point in time. Um, I might have just misread that. But he's currently not ranked on 24-7 sports, but it does seem like uh, whether it's whether it's Jerry Meyer or, or Travis uh, Travis Branham, they they've liked what they've seen from Denim Dawson out of California, and so I was kind of surprised his name popped up when he committed, and it wasn't someone that I had had heard a lot of, and so I I can't profess to know much about basketball recruiting, anyways, but it does seem like at least the people who follow this closely. Seems like a nice developmental guy to have in the pipeline while you're still also trying to bring in some of the big, the big fish. Well, I know he told us 24 seven sports and interviews too, when he committed, he really prides himself on his, what he does on the defensive end too, you know? And so um, all that works together. His offer list isn't going to knock people over as much as some other guys thereafter. And frankly that I'm kind of like you, I didn't know as much about him until he was visiting. And even then I wasn't sure that he was going to, you know, I didn't necessarily expect a commitment like a couple days later. Um, But yeah, he's, he's going to be an interesting guy to learn more about. And it's uh, it's, you know, it's an exciting time for Husker hoops with recruiting. They're after guys who they just have never been after before, you know, and that's, that's something you almost have to adjust to as you cover it as well. No doubt about it. All right, we'll finish up with a couple thoughts on Minnesota. Nebraska headed up to Minneapolis here to play the Gophers. The last couple times these teams have met, it has not gone well for Scott Frost and for the Huskers. Obviously, that 2020 game sticks in a lot of people's minds with how Nebraska wasn't able to or wouldn't run the ball uh, with Mills against a front that seemed pretty down coming off of a long COVID pause. And then, of course, they, they also just didn't move the ball that well through the air that day either. And then 2019, one of the ugliest performances I think that Nebraska has had. I mean, it's not 2018 Michigan level, and it's not 2016 Ohio State level. But they went on the road, and they faced a Big Ten team, and they got punched in the mouth repeatedly and just curled in the ball that day. And so uh, this is their, their first opportunity back in Minnesota since then. Gophers seem to be in a weird spot. You have any quick feeling on this game? I know we're going to get way more into it with the hype cast later this week, but any quick thought that you have Nebraska, Minnesota this weekend? Well, I think, I think Minnesota, you know, it's a fork in the road moment for them this season too. 
you know, they're coming off a win prior to a bye against Purdue where they actually got outstatted pretty good in that game in the rain. But, you know, they did the little things enough and they, and they came out of there with a win they had to have. And so, you know, they're a team that I think is sort of going to have to scuffle or, and fight their way to bowl eligibility too. And so this is one of those games where they're probably like, we got to have it, you know, and they've had a week to rest up. Nebraska's coming off really an emotionally draining game and a physical, you know, just fist fight. And that that's kind of what worries me a little bit is this team has done really well about hitting the reset button, you know, week after week after a gut punch. But at some point you keep asking, like, is there that point where you just can't quite get up like you should after that? I think what's working to Nebraska's advantage here is that that bye week is looming. And so guys understand this is a high stakes game. There is a rest coming, put it all out there, run that tank down to the very bottom, you know, give everything you got. Uh, Cause you don't want to sit around here three and five for two weeks. You can imagine what that's going to be like. Yeah. That the conversation wouldn't be very good at all. All right. We are, uh, we're done for the day. Brian, you're off the hook. I don't know what your plans are for your rest of your afternoon, but you are now free to pursue them. But keep your Friday morning at about 4.30 open. We'll yeah. be doing the Husker Hypecast at that time. Does that still work for you? 4.30 is, yeah, I could. I'll you adjust. want to go earlier? Um, if, if you would go earlier, I would. I, I will adjust my workout plans for that morning um, a little bit. That joke, I, we've used up that joke. We got to move on from that probably. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll be there at 4.30. And we'll come up with better jokes next week, we swear. Yes. All right, you'll catch us with the Hypecast here on Friday. Otherwise, the next full podcast will be next week with Husker 24-7. I'm Mike Schaefer. That's Brian Christopherson. We'll catch you next time.